all of us here at Troy Church in Troy, Alabama, thank you for tuning in to our podcast. We are a family in Jesus that aims to love God, love one another, and love the world. If you would like more information on who we are, what we believe, or how to get involved, please visit us at troychurch.tv or email us at info, I-N-F-O, at troychurch.tv. If you're a guest, we want to especially welcome you to our church. And uh, if you're a guest thinking like, man, this is one of these pastors that's like micromanaging and involved in everything, like trying to play the music and then do the sermon, um, I'm not. This is like that moment in an MLB game that's a blowout when they pull like a right fielder into pitch, like 30 mile an hour pitches. That's what's going on musically for our church right now. And because of a beautiful reason, uh, our worship team lead, J.B. Roberts, those of you that know J.B. and Lauren, uh, brought their first child into the world on New Year's Day. So he'll be a week old tomorrow. And it is such a beautiful culmination of a lot of hopes and prayers for so long. And to cap it all off, the most dramatic pregnancy labor uh, situation ever that's only fitting for them uh, in the most awesome way. But Lauren is doing great. Uh, Baby Josiah is doing well, and they're at home uh, recovering and doing great, and want me to express their gratitude, thankfulness for your love and support and prayers um, as they step into this time of life. So an awesome thing that we celebrate in Baby Josiah, continue to pray and encourage them as they learn a a new rhythm of life. Uh, Teaching-wise, we're entering a new season where we'll spend six weeks, I start to say give or take, but definitely not take. We might tack some more weeks on it of kind of vision ahead of the new year, talking about what we're going to be focusing on as a church, what our hopes are for you all as a church, uh, going through uh, some of the things you've heard before if you've been around as far as our culture and who we are and what we do, but specifically how we hope to express those things in 2024 If you've made any kind of move towards us as a church, you've heard kind of the three things that we focus on, which are are nothing profound or new, but it's loving God, loving one another in here, and then loving the world, us going outward in evangelism and and sharing love. The loving God aspect you hear us talk about a lot. It's kind of our primary focus that encompasses everything else we do. And in that, an expression of that being a strategy point that we try to lead and shepherd all of Troy Church towards, and that's individual worship. So what that means is if you're a part of our church, we really want to work hard at helping you learn how to and position yourself for healthy individual time with God, for you to get with God by yourself. If you come to Covenant member meeting this evening, if you're a part of our church, You'll hear our 2024 hope for that, and I'll explain the metrics. They might bring some questions up for you. Our hope this year is that one half of our membership would report an increase in their quality and quantity of being with God, and we'll talk about that later tonight. And that can express in so many different ways, so many spiritual disciplines, but primarily when we talk about that, we mean praying and Bible. And ideally, those things taken in together and merged together into a time sitting, hearing from, listening to, and talking to God through prayer and Bible. So what that boils down to is I got this Sunday to talk about that. 
and there's so many facets to it and perspectives and angles to it. So it's like, what do I talk about if I have one week? I can't say it all, so what do we say? Uh, I think some of my approaches uh, coming towards this over the break, you know, we could practice it together. Like maybe go through a psalm, and what we've done in the past is really practice what it is to prayerfully read Scripture and go through that together. Then my mind kind of pendulumed all the way to the other side of the spectrum, you know, we could introduce some tools and some methods of how you could get with God and pray and read and those kind of things. Where I landed came from my introspection over the break. Time with God is so primary for me. If you were to ask me, you know, what's an important aspect of your walk with Jesus? What does it look like day to day? I would start with like, hey, it's about being with God, like getting still with God regularly, hearing from him and being in tune with that you know, channel of communication throughout every day, every circumstance, you know, situation, conversations to really connect the dots of what God is doing in your life. And that be bookended and informed by time with him. It would be vital. It's vital to me. If you ask me, like, hey, I'm a new Christian, or I've been a Christian forever, I'm trying to walk with God more faithfully, what do I need to do? I would start there. I would start with time with God, telling you, you need to get with God, get alone with God, prayer, Bible, prayer, Bible, getting alone in silence and solitude and looking at God for who he is and holding up against everything that's coming out of you in words, in mind, in action. And I think what that's supposed to mean is it's supposed to be something that I'm just crushing and doing awesome at, and I'm calling you into it. Like, hey, this is primary for me, it's so important, and it's always awesome for me, so y'all come and do it and get in on this because it's so good. But to be honest with you, it is something that a lot of the times, and I don't know if it's life stage for us and a lot of little people around our house, or age for me or age as a Christian, but there are many times where it feels unnatural, difficult, and even undesirable. And I don't think I'm alone in that. As I, as I share with you and hear from you all, it, it's this spirit of, I really need to do this. Like, I need to do better at that this year. Like, you want to do better at eating, not junk, for the year. But it being an intrinsic, from the heart, like, internally motivated desire to be with a person that seems missing so much of the time. And I hate that. It's frustrating for me. Yeah, and so in that, in view of that, if we just give you practice or tools or, you know, went through it together and you still don't have or I don't have internal motivation to get with God, to be with God, to spend time with God, we'll come in here next week or next year or whenever and we'll be the same. And I don't want that to happen. I hope that God might help us see his heart for us in time with him, why we need that, and, and in that, that he might change us. So I'm going to spend our, shoot my one shot on this part of our 2024 vision on this. Simply a reason that we need to get away with God regularly. One reason that will break down. A reason we need to get away with God regularly. And the reason is this. We are broken people. We're broken people. Happy New Year. Broken person. And we're going to view that through somewhere we've been before and we reference all the time and look at it from a different perspective towards time with God, the fall. A time where we see, despite perfect creation, perfect provision, perfect relationship between God and people, yeah, sin comes in the world. We distrust God. The fall happened. Despite our perfect situation, we messed up dearly by distrusting God 
at the influence of evil. And even though very much unfell through Jesus, we're not home yet. And we wait in the residuals of a very real fall, including our bodies and our minds. We need constant reminders of who we are. And time with God serves as that. So I'm going to look at three components of the fall and how they necessitate regular time with God. And I hope that they would be things, and they're sad things, but they're addressed by the person and work of Jesus in great hope and victory. And I hope they'd be things that you're like, dang, that's true, and I need to get with God, like out of these things, motivated by these things, not prodded by the things. So let's pray and ask God to help us do that, and we'll start. We'll be in Genesis 3, as you heard Katie read. God, I pray that 2024 for our church will be different. I ask that you would help us figure out how to talk to a God that's invisible, a God that speaks, but not in the way that we like. So help us as a people that have so much noise around us hear from you. And a people that's so prone to suppress or not even be aware of what's going on in us, help us speak with you. So teach us these things through Jesus, and we ask through him. Amen. All right, reason number one from Genesis chapter 3 is that we want to be our own God. We want to be our own God. We're susceptible to that desire. So we you know, get to Genesis 3, we're in the garden, everything's great, everything's perfect, and we see the serpent, a talking snake, which is weird that we can't address today, called Satan elsewhere in Scripture. You know, come up to Eve in this perfect provision, and the chief temptation, what he leads in with is, hey, you can be like God. Like, you can have this, and you can be like God. If we remember back when we went through Genesis, God gave us a massive job and delegated a huge amount of responsibility and power. We were made to show God to everything else, to bear God's image. Even to have what Genesis called dominion, to rule and authority, like have rule and authority over everything. That's a huge deal with all we need under the perfect rule of God and the serpent's you know, temptation to Eve is like, hey, you don't want to be number two. Like you don't want to serve under anybody. You want it to be you, like second to no one. You can be like God if you will partake of this. We could really quit getting the distorted, nostalgic mode, point away from ourselves towards culture and rightly diagnose an it's all about you kind of culture. But I'm afraid in doing that, we might miss the, the reality that that all about you is very much lurking inside of all of us. Pretty, pretty low under the surface, probably. Zach Aswan is a pastor and a writer. And he, ironically, speaking to church leaders as he talks about this, but four temptations of being like God. Like, what does it mean to be tempted to be like God? And this is how he phrases it. To be tempted to be like God is to be tempted that you can be everywhere, that you can fix it all, be everywhere, fix it all, that you can three, know it all, and four is immediacy over all three of those things. Be everywhere, fix it all, know it all, immediacy. I was walking in our kitchen the other day, you know, Christmas bomb exploded in our house over the break, there's stuff everywhere, and I see some mail on the kitchen counter, and there's a little postcard saying it was almost time to sign up for rec baseball. So I had a flashback, like in that moment of seeing that card, is in a few short months, I'm going to be at the red light by Sonic 
like five minutes late to be at the rec field, like eating cold pizza, drinking Spark, and writing my lineup card on my steering wheel. And I had just a, a flood of anxiety over you know, what, what was to come. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, rec baseball is a, a beautiful context for us to connect with our community and take the gospel out in, in, in so many ways. But you know, what that little sliver of my life points me to is the fact that not only are we going to do that, but we're going to try to squeeze something in our family's life before and after rec baseball. And then after something happens during the game to my kids and it affects them emotionally, I'm going to try to fix them instead of listen and facilitate what's going on in them. I'm going to try to tell them everything they should have done better. I'm going to try to know everything because I played baseball one year when I was nine and watched a YouTube video about how to swing. So I know everything and I'm going to tell them how to fix themselves and I expect them to apply all of that before tomorrow. And that's just one sliver of my life where I'm painfully aware that I'm prone to be like God or think that I can be like God and be everywhere, fix everything, know everything, and do things in immediacy on my time level. And if we sit in any of those contexts in our lives, there's so many motives, and we're all different in these motives from our backgrounds and our families, our upbringing. Some of us, you know, we got to get it done. Some of them we don't want to let people down. Some of us are hiding from hardness at home. Some of us got to prove our worth. Some of us got to protect our security. You know, any and all those motives distort the image of God. They show a false view of God and a false view of us. Time with God gives clarity for us to view God and ourselves rightly. Time, time with God reminds us that he is God and not us. Against that temptation of like, hey, you can be like God. We desperately need time with God to remind ourselves that we can't be like God, nor would we want to be like God. Time with God reminds us that he can be everywhere and that we can't. Time with God reminds us that he can fix our hearts and minds and fix other people's hearts and minds and not us. He is all-knowing. He is outside of time. Jesus has rescued me from the primary temptation that made me require his rescue. Me thinking I can be like God. I need to be reminded daily that I'm what John the Baptist said. I'm not the Christ like I'm not the Christ. And I require time with God to look at God in clarity because of our temptation, primary temptation at the beginning of the fall that we're prone to want to be our own God. So that's the first thing. Second thing, we want to be independently wise. I'm going to go back and read 3, 6, and 7. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Uh, Solomon in the Proverbs shows us that wisdom's a great thing. It's to be sought, but in God, God's wisdom. So this temptation is you don't want to be subject to anybody's wisdom but yours. Like, you, know, you wouldn't want to be subject to God's wisdom. You want to have what you need to call your own shots, to have your own primary source of wisdom. Uh, bottom line, it's freedom from the protection of God, which isn't freedom whatsoever. Uh, my teenage summers, which I'm really thankful for, I worked for a man that I miss that's passed away, um, old, old school Navy guy that would critique how I was doing something out on his farm, but he typically would let me keep doing it wrongly um, until yeah, I learned the hard way 
you know, the reason for his instructions and limits. And I'd eventually humbly come back with something broken in my hands, realizing that the commands, limits, and boundaries all have a reason and a purpose, like for protection. And we are a stubborn people that insist on our own way and don't want to submit to the reasons of limits and boundaries that God has issued over the universe that he's made. Proverbs 1, seven says, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. After that, it says, fools despise wisdom. It's this mentality that we see in our children but are prone to just as well as adults but have learned how to cover it up of like, no, I know how to do this. Like, I don't, I don't need instruction. And it keeps us out of receiving or putting ourselves under earshot in view of the instruction of the Lord through time with Him. Time with God reminds us that He is all-knowing and perfectly wise, and we are not. It rescues us from our dependence on our own wisdom, and, and even by grace imparts His wisdom to us through the Spirit. It rescues us from our own wisdom and imparts the wisdom of God. And what this could look like, one of our kids was talking about a kid messing with him at some, in some setting in life. He's like, this kid keeps messing with me, like keeps poking me, keeps saying this. And I, ashamed to say, started to say, well, you put both hands up to protect your face. And like they're looking for the hook, but don't underestimate the jab. And you just handle that. that that's what was cooking in my head. And by the grace of God, what, what rescued that thought was like Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. And we had this awesome conversation that's not yet resolved or finished in the car about how distinctively Christian it is to be strong yet not require vengeance as a human. To be assertive and to be strong, to be a protector and defender of the weak, but not to require human vengeance because God has not taken vengeance out on us who have disobeyed and rebelled against him. We need the wisdom of God to rescue us from wisdom that we're prone to in our humanity every single day. To walk in that kind of wisdom uh, that is totally counterintuitive to our flesh requires a, a constant tether and anchor to the one that has keys to our head and our heart and our emotions because it's not natural thoughts of our flesh. To counter your monopoly on wisdom, you need to sit with the one that saved you from calling your own shots. To counter your default ways, you need to sit with the one whose ways are higher than yours all the time. Paul says a couple of times in the New Testament that we have the mind of Christ. It's so amazing. When he's talking about us being humble towards each other and forgiving, he's like, hey, remember, you have the mind of Christ. And as we remember that, we also remember that our minds are saturated with everything but that day-to-day so loudly. It is vital that we sit and remind ourselves of the mind of Christ that we have. So we're prone to our own wisdom, to want our own wisdom. What do we call it? We want to be independently wise. Last thing, last thing is we like to run and hide. We want to run and hide. I'm going to reread, uh, starting in verse 7, a little bit. Then the eyes of both of them were open after they ate the fruit, disobeyed God. They knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. 
He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit and I ate. Adam and Eve immediately cover themselves. Nobody has to tell them or inform them that something's wrong with them. They immediately are aware. It's the first thing that happens to them is, is they're aware that something needs to be covered. And, and they make clothes to cover themselves, and even with the clothes, they still run off and hide. They don't feel like they're sufficiently covered. I was listening to some guys recently in a, a podcast, somebody looking at this from a, a Jewish lens, like a Hebrew lens, that talked about what we notice but probably don't address is how many times the word naked is in this story. Like it's over and over and over. If we read this up in Troy Kids, my kids would be like giggling and laughing the whole time. And all of us become instantly like uncomfortable and insecure at how many times this word is. Like we get insecure just hearing the word and it's so profound that, that covering ourselves up is something that's so physically instinctive to us. And I think it definitely points to a condition and posture of our heart that instinctively knows that there's something wrong and we need to hide and we need to suppress and we need to cover up. We are all broken and hurt and wounded and dark and we'll go to great lengths to hide that from other people, God, and even ourselves. I'm going to read from you a passage that we read a lot from the end of John 3. This is after John 3:16 that we know and love, but this starts at verse 19. Jesus says, and this is the judgment. The light has come in the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. When you sit down and open your Bible at a coffee table in the morning or at night or on your lunch break at your desk and you read, love your wives as your own body, or you read, be tender-hearted and forgiving, or you read in James, show no partiality, like treat people the same, it is a spotlight on your heart, mind, and hands that catches you red-handed, and we hate it in general. We hate being exposed as human people. I hate bugs and spiders so when we moved our new house it, it had a pool and if you're a bug or a spider and you're in the pool you're you're done like you got what you had coming to you for for being a bug and spider i'm letting you die in the salt but frogs i'm good with like i'm cool with the frogs for whatever reason so if i see them they're trying to get out i'll usually risk i'll rescue them i'll bend over and scoop them out of the pool so often, I'll go in trying to get these frogs before they swell up in their you know, salt, slow death that's probably terrible. And they'll swim away from my hands. I'm trying to save them, and they swim away deep, deep, deeper into the pool where I can't get to them. And after a while, I'm just like, all right. God's word is a light to expose broken things in us that he would seek to heal and restore and confront and be like, hey, I know that's there. Like That's where I, why I came and, and died for you and put blood over that and redeeming you and filling you with my spirit to produce different things. I know that, and so often you know, we are running and suppressing away from exposure because it's so uncomfortable for us. We don't like it. We remove ourselves. I, I think, at, at, you know, Keeping in mind all the things about our different stages of life and you know, interpreting scripture, all the things that make time with God hard, I think for all of us there's at least a sliver of time with God difficulty 
that comes from the fact that we hate being exposed by the light of God's word. And what I want you to see, and even beautifully displayed in this Genesis 3 passage, the one we are running away from has come to us, despite our condition. There's, there's a, little, a little glimpse of that in this Genesis 3 story where even in their expulsion from the garden, God makes them close, which is so beautiful and such an act of grace, and protects them from being stuck in that condition, leaves the door open to the redemptive history that will start from this moment. But the God that we run from, afraid of that exposure, has put on flesh and come to everything that we interact with and all that brokenness and gunk in us, and he's weathered it perfectly for you, and he comes to you. And if we made the analogy of the frog appropriate for what God has done for us, we're a dead frog at the bottom of the pool, and he has come and breathed new life into us. That's how comfortable he is with our condition and the length he went to rescue us from our condition and as we walk in Christ a beautiful grace that he has is for us to come to him daily with all the things that our marriage and our kids and our job our thoughts our feelings our words have exposed that have yet to be changed and rescued and refined we bring it to him and he's like all right let's work on this and do this and cover this with blood and refine it inject it with the spirit and redeem it for things that that actually look like the character of God coming through your life. And so many of us are missing that process because we don't want to be exposed. The end of this passage, so it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. The end of that John 3 passage. Whoever comes in the light, it's going to be clear that God did a, a major renovation job on that person. And it's beautiful. An act of grace. So I hope this year that we look at these things that are hard realities about what the fall means for us as humans, as people on, on this side of the fall, and that it would motivate, not prod us, but motivate us towards, yes, I'm broken, but God has approached me in immense grace, and because of the tension of those things, time with God, yeah, I want to do that and I need that. It's necessary as a reminder to me of who God is and who I am and what he's done despite the discrepancy. So I hope and pray that we would be motivated towards time with God. We're going to do the best we can. We'll talk about this more tonight. Covenant member meeting to give you tools and position you for that. We can't, we can, we can take that so far. It's things like these on your way out the door, time with God cards. Um, that might look like you starting with one column of them. might look like this being a first-time thing for you, but will definitely look like if there's difficulty or questions, you asking us for help and us helping you not accomplish a task, but through a task be with a person. We want that so deeply for you because it's such a primary important thing for God's addressing and changing us as a church family. I'm going to pray. I want you just to simply pray in this time. God, how would, how would you inform my time with you this year? I want you to get real honest with God. Like, hey, I've always struggled. Like, I try to sit down and do the thing, but I don't want to be there. God, what do I do with that? Help me with that. Regardless of where you're at in that, in that process and that discipline. And sometimes it is a discipline, and there's some grit associated with disciplines that isn't all bad. But ask God to connect himself to your approach and inform what you need to do about it this year. And please come talk to us. If you need help, that's why we are here. I'm going to pray. Um, we're going to sing and continue worship. Let's pray. 
Thanks again for tuning in. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook, at our website, or even in person right here in Troy. All information and links are in our description. Thank you, and God bless. Thank you.